real sports talk for real sports fans. 1700, the champ. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is a Monday here at 1700, the champ. Jimmy B and TC. Uh, as we take you through the next hour, uh, Ryan Van Bibber will be our guest coming up shortly uh, as we run around the National Football League. And there were great games on Sunday and last night as well. And another one set for this evening. Trent, I'm telling you, though, look, we thought Iowa State would go to Kansas and do what they necessarily had to do. Didn't think that their defense would be that dominant, but it was. But Iowa on the road at Purdue. You and I both thought that the Boilermakers had a chance to win that game. And, Trent, that's exactly what happened. They found a way to win it at the end. Uh, frustrations continue, certainly, for Iowa as they go through the season. Now sitting at 6-3 and three with three games remaining. You know, Jim, you can point to a different area for every one of the loss for the loss to Wisconsin, it was special teams. A couple of gaps there. Mm-hmm. The fumble late in the first half from Gronawig, and, of course, the uh, the punt that went off the leg of, of Sean Beyer. You point there and say, if you're looking for a reason, you can go to that. Then last week against Penn State, it was the offense. The offense did not generate any points in the game. It was special teams and defense that led to the scoring there. That's what you got in that matchup. So all the fingers were pointing to the offense. Now this week... Pretty easy to point at the defense, and the defense was the reason they lost this game. Gave up 38 points. Blau had plenty of time to throw. They were without their left tackle, Purdue was, yet still plenty of time to make the throws up the field. He got out quickly, and when he needed to up the field, he was making plays there. It's been one element of all three different areas here that's led to these three losses, Jim. This is a talented football team. But in the end, the record isn't going to look very talented. Even if they win these final three games, this is going to be a season, I think, of a lot of what-ifs. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, I think is going to be a conversation a lot about the 2018 Iowa football team. I believe I believe you're correct with that statement. I think uh, I think most uh, Hawk fans felt uh, ten and two, maybe eleven and one, and a chance to represent the West in the uh, uh, Big Ten championship game. Look, I, I I'm not really sure how the wheels fell off because it seems, Trent, that each time that Iowa played in what I like to call a higher-profile game, then they did exactly what you just said. They found ways to lose that game, and you uh, pointed them out. So against Wisconsin, against Penn State, and now Purdue. Uh, it's got to be frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for the players, the coaching staff, and it's kind of one of those things where you're correct. You're going to be sitting there scratching your head. And if they went out and finish nine and three, uh, they're going to get invited to a, a nice bowl. But I still think that fans will probably go. And I, you, I know you're right on this. What the hell happened? Mm-hmm. Because we could have easily been so much better. It, it's going to be that case. It certainly is. It's going to be a case of. You know, what could have gone differently? What could have they have done? It's a frustrating one, no doubt, Jim. A frustrating one and a frustrating season overall for Iowa. And some head-scratching decisions again. Uh, the yeah. nine and a half minutes yeah. to play in the third quarter, and this isn't second-guessing. This was first-guessing for me. I went right to Twitter and said, why in God's name are you chasing points early in the third quarter of a football game? You don't do that. Now, if, if this was a slog fest and it looked like points were going to be at a premium, 
and yep. just cut it to a field. It, it was, I don't know, say it was 10-5, and you needed a, you know, no, 10-4. Uh, trying to do the math here. 10-5, yeah, you needed two points to make it a three-point game because yes. it was played in the mud and the slop, and it was a game like that. Okay, you can buy that. I, I get it. Not there. You don't go for a two there. You're not chasing points. And, alas, a field goal beat them instead of tying it and putting it into overtime. That one goes strictly to Kirk Ferentz. He said, well, I thought the game was going to be in the 40s. You just don't do that. You don't do that. It was a dumb decision by Kirk Ferentz. I'm, uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, look, I was impressed when Purdue was up. I was impressed with the way Iowa battled back and then claimed the lead. But you're right. They had a man down on the offensive line, and it just appeared that they really couldn't, couldn't really do much with David Blau and that he had time to set his feet and throw, and that receivers were open, Trent. So is it is this a pattern now against good teams? And Purdue is a good team. We know Penn State's a good team. We know that Wisconsin is a good team. They're not great teams, mm-hmm. but they're good. they're good teams. And they took advantage over and over and over again of the defensive side of the football, and particularly in that secondary. They did. Uh, They're down to two freshman quarterbacks, and Julius Brent has been really good. He was not very good on Saturday. Now, Riley Moss has had issues. They have continued to throw his way. And and this is the difference between, to me, Kirk Ferentz and Jeff Brom, and and the difference you see where continually, you go back to last year and the way Purdue really opened up that game and got the victory in Kinnick Stadium – they found a matchup that they could exploit, and they continued to do it over and over and over again. That's what they did. And then again, they found a matchup that they liked on the outside on Saturday, and they went to it over and over and over again. It's, it's the old Hayden Fry adage, scratch where it itches. And that's exactly what Brahm and company, company did. They scratched where it itched, they found the right guy, they found the matchup, and they kept going there. And Iowa finally in the fourth quarter went away from Riley Moss. They finally decided, well, let's see if anybody else can do anything on the outside, and they went to Michael Ojemudia. Now, I think Matt Hankins is their second-best corner. Yes, I do believe that the freshman Brents is their best pure cover corner. Kid's excellent, even if he struggled on Saturday. But Hankins is second. Well, he wasn't there. He wasn't there because he had a party and gotten a ticket, and he got in trouble, him and Trey Creamer, a couple weeks ago. So he was suspended for the game. I don't know health-wise if he is even available, but they had to go with their number three and number four starter uh, quarterbacks, in my mind. And, and Brom was able to exploit it. You continually see this time in and time out. For me, that's why the guy's a stud. Uh, Jeff Brom, and hopefully Louisville finds the money. Maybe it's USC. I don't know where it is, but that's what you want to see. All right, we got John Cannon stopping by here. Hello, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Trent. How are you? I'm not too bad. So, hey, Jim. Jim. Jimmy B will be back with us here in just a moment. Okay. But uh, you're going to be sitting in my chair Wednesday and Thursday this week. For people who don't know, John, a, a realtor here in town who uh, you've done some some radio, some sports radio in the past. Just a little bit, right? Just a little bit around the edges. And uh, yeah, I'm a mortgage broker now and still, you know, still follow sports and, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for the opportunity to get on with you guys once in a while and Talk about scratching the itch, you know, talk, <laughs> talk about something that bugs me, like going for two oh. in that situation. I'm a believer that you don't go for two until you have to, until right. it is the only thing that will solve your problem. You're down 16 and you score a touchdown. You got to go for two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seems to me that the teams that do that, 
wind up paying for it. You missed that point. You need that point, and they needed it when they scored the next touchdown, and if they'd kicked an extra point, they would have been up three if they had gone for an extra point before, and they would have been protected in the event of this. You know, they got some bad luck on that last drive, but mm-hmm. but the fact that that field goal cost them the game, that that was totally on Kirk Ferentz. Right, yeah, and, and you can point to, and I don't like the blaming the officials game. I, I think it's just a, such a loser mentality. Are there plays, are there calls that can turn the course of a game? Absolutely. I mean, you see that in the NBA. You see it in any sport. And you see it, it on Friday nights a it, lot. It, it could absolutely happen. A call can change the context of a game. But don't put yourself in that position. It, it still comes back to you in the end. There are calls. You know, and if Iowa would have found a way to win that game, you know what Purdue fans would have been complaining about? They would have been complaining about the fair catch interference where mm-hmm. Iowa called a fair catch incredibly late. And they got the call, and they got the 15 yards and scored a touchdown on that drive. Any team on the backside of it, you can look at calls throughout the course of a game. I think I saw Northwestern wasn't penalized. If Northwestern would have found a way to beat Notre Dame, you don't think Irish fans are going to be complaining. They weren't flagged one time in this game. You can find it in any avenue. There are more, more pertinent things, more important things always, I think, that officiating to talk about. I agree, and I I do think that when the Iowa players and coaching staff were kind of reduced to that at the end of the game, I think it says something about their mentality. And, Trent, I think it has a lot to do with Iowa State. Mm-hmm. I think they're really feeling the heat now. Yeah, They've got competition in this state that they haven't had consistently. I mean, I, and again, I wasn't here. I got here three years ago. Yeah. But from what I understand, Iowa State had a year here, a year there, where they really were entertaining and mm-hmm. looked like something was happening, but it never was sustained. And... The only way this will not be sustained now is if someone's able to rip Matt Campbell out of there. And and Ference knows it. And so they're going to be competing. Their recruiting is going to be different going forward than it's been in the past. And they know that. So I think there's a lot of frustration and pressure over there. And it felt like a season, you know, you look at these games individually. This is a talented Iowa football team. And I think sure. that's where some of the frustration lies. As you can see, there's a plenty of talent. They're... I think this team is certainly more talented than the team from four years ago that went 12 and 0 in the regular season. This is, is that a more four t- years ago already. Yeah, 2015. Man, two, four seasons ago. Here. It's it's crazy. And you're right though. That yeah. team didn't play anybody, right? And and really got almost airmailed. But they found the, a way. But they found a way to win. They you know, they they went to Wisconsin and they found a way to win a tight game. They found ways to win games. This team isn't. They're finding ways to lose games. And you know, people are equating back historically and. And looking back at different teams, what your hope is, if you're an Iowa fan, is this is 2008. 2008, season very similar to this. Lost a lot of close games, couldn't quite get over the hump. And then the following year they did, and they started off 9-0 and before the Stansy injury, went to the Orange Bowl, won their first Orange Bowl and a major bowl game in 50 years. That's the hope. The other side of it could be, could be like 2010 on the heels of that, and then the downward slide starts. And, and that's the concern of what this is going to be and what this is going to be going forward for Iowa because there's a lot of talent there. I mean, right. from Hawkinson and Fant, Stanley's a talented quarterback. He still had some rough games. That's a big question mark, actually. I, I the wide receiver group has got some talent. They have some guys there, something that you can't say you know, over the last three or four years. You know defensively what they have. you got to find a way to win. And, John, you've covered sports for a long time. Is that something that, that is a learned trait? Is it innate with this team? How do you figure out how to get over that hump in your mind? Well, I think it is a learned trait, and I think it's you need some players who come into your program with it, though. 
you need some players who've done it in high school and can kind of, because a lot of times you're going to have great high school players who were not on great high school teams. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to arrive on your campus not knowing how to win a game at the end. Not really, to be honest with you, not really even caring. They've learned how not to care because over four years of high school, you know, maybe they lose half their games. Maybe they lose more than half their games. They're really uniquely talented, and they, but they can't get caught up in the wins and losses because it would kill them if they did. So those people have to unlearn that, and the ones who can teach them are the ones who came from really strong high school programs, but also it has to come from the coaching staff. And an overall confidence that the coaching staff carries itself with that this is just how we're going to do things and and we're going to win. And when you lose close games like this, it's an opportunity to tighten down the little things that you did wrong that if you do them right the next time will lead to a win. Jimmy B, you're back with us. Yeah, man. And you hear John with us today. So uh, we were talking a lot about Iowa here, but we just got a couple minutes left before we get our first break. Are, are you and Cannon just going to talk NBA when, when you guys are working together? And how excited are you this to get uh, back together with your buddy John? I'm always I'm always jacked when John comes on the show, especially when he starts going off on Golden State, and I have to slow him down a little bit. <laughs> you might um, really have and, to slow and, me down this week. Oh, I, I know, I know. They're they're going to win what seventy eight games this year? Is that what you're forecasting? No, is, no but is I do it, I, yeah. I do think last year's yeah. uh-huh. last year's call was yeah. a year early. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Although the thing about the West, though, is while there aren't the the really good teams, there are a lot of solid teams. There aren't many nights off in the West this year. That is correct. I agree with you from that standpoint. Yes, uh, the West will beat each other up, and it'll be the black and blue division of the NBA. Yeah, if you're going to uh, rest once guys we, once we get to the playoffs. Yeah, if you're going to rest guys this year, you know that could cost you some games. Now the Warriors are always willing to make that trade-off, but it makes it harder for guys like me that come on the radio and say they're going to win 75 games. <laughs> That's why it's so much fun when you come on. No, no, Trent. We will do Iowa and Iowa State. Okay, all right. And, and, and we will. I promise that we will. I'll, I'll force John to do homework. I'm good with that. Maybe some hot stove league stuff. I think, you know, that's that's all good. But I, I will say, and I like your guys' opinion on this, I don't remember the NBA ever being as big a deal nationally at the start of their season mm-hmm. as they are this year. I agree with that with that comment. In fact, I want you to know this, John, that my compadre, the one, the only, Trent Condon, uh, I think I have finally swayed him because he is actually watching the later night games and uh, and loving life. I mean, he's told me here on the show. When all you right, all right. Here. You don't gotta be. You don't need to be <laughs> okay, broadcasting right. that to everybody. <laughs> I, the league is compelling. It is, and, and it's so funny. It's compelling with yes. with the Warriors, John, and just we we know it's inevitable, right? Short of an injury, yeah. they're going to win again. But the storylines, the importance of it, and and I wonder how much better the league would be, or at TV ratings, money wise, if Golden State wasn't this behemoth. Would it be better? No, I, I really don't think so. I think that's part of what makes it compelling, is that you have a team that everybody is shooting for. All the other 29 teams are trying to beat this one team, and they probably can't. But what they're trying to do to get themselves in position to do that is what's so interesting. And your team, Minnesota, yeah, yeah. is really one of the most interesting teams going right now. <laughs> that they are. They're, they're fun to watch, and then oh, crazy to watch them. It's compelling. It, it's something... I didn't think I was going to be, but here we are. College basketball is going to change that a little bit for me, though. Jim, 
You ready to talk some yes, NFL? Well, well, I'm going to show some John the Ropes here during the break, and Wednesday and Thursday you guys can talk all the NBA you want, all right? Well, we won't. We'll get into a lot of local <laughs> things. But, yes, I'm looking forward to doing some NFL, Trent, because there were great games yesterday. We're going to do that next. Coming up, Ryan Van Bibber from SB Nation is going to join us. A look around the NFL week number nine. Just about in the books. We get the break back with more in a moment on 1700 The Champ. 1700 The Champ with The Drive. Every weekday afternoon, Wolfgang and Trent Condon have you covered for The Drive home. Don't miss out on tailgates and touchdowns because your cars broke down. Instead, call an Audible by calling Absolute Auto Repair, where we offer free loaner cars while yours is in the shop. At Absolute Auto Repair in Herbdale, we get that when your car breaks down, your life is interrupted. That's why we offer loaner cars to keep your busy life moving. Absolute Auto Repair in Herbdale on Hickman Road near Cobblestone Theater. Google Absolute Auto Repair Herbdale. Absolute Auto Repair is a proud supporter of high school football. Touchdown, Absolute Auto Repair. Showplace Kitchens is now Showplace Cabinetry Design Center. We're changing our name to better represent what we do. What is it, you ask? At Showplace Cabinetry Design Center, we create beautiful, functional environments with cabinetry. Whether it's a remodel, addition, new construction, or even refacing, the designers at Showplace Cabinetry Design Center are eager to help you create a showplace of your very own. And welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continues here on 1700 The Champ as we take you up until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Joining us right now, see his work at SB Nation, editor over there, and a whole lot more. And uh, always love talking NFL with this guy. He's Ryan Van Bibber with us here on a Monday afternoon. Ryan, good afternoon. How are things? Ah, they're going quite well. How about yourself? I can't complain, you know, and and if I did, nobody would want to hear it. We're just sitting here talking <laughs> sports all throughout the day. So it's it's a pretty good life that we're leading here, Ryan, and, and pretty good for most teams here kind of in our circle. We get we got Kansas City to the south, yeah. Minnesota up north, the Bears to the east. Now to the northeast, a little bit different for the Green Bay Packers. So let's start right there. A 31-17 loss, that is no reason in its own to fire a coach, to want to turn over the roster, but there's a lot more involved here. Give me a takeaway that you're seeing with this Green Bay team, this Packers squad, and maybe the future of Mike McCarthy at the front of it. Well, you know what's the most frustrating, if you're a Packers fan, I think the most frustrating thing you look at the game from this week was, is that they came into that pretty well prepared. I mean, you know, the, the Patriots were without Gronk, and they were without Sony Michelle, and that's Obviously, pretty big limitation for them, but you know Mike Patine's defense was schemed up really nicely for that. You saw nickel and dime packages out there most of the time. They took away the deep field from Brady, and it worked really effectively. And the Patriots had a hard time generating offense, but they found a way to do it. And the Packers didn't really have an answer for it, and the Packers couldn't adjust to the Patriots' adjustments. Whether that was you know getting Cordero Patterson the ball as a running back or or some of those screenplays that McDaniels had drawn up in the second half that put them over the top for the game. And I think that's, that's got to be really frustrating because Green Bay, now it's not, you know, we're used to sort of criticizing Mike McCarthy when his coaching staff does a bad job mm-hmm. week in and week out. And, you know, you go to this week and they did, a, they did a really good job against a tough opponent, a tough opponent with some limitations, and they still got beat. So, I mean, 
we'll see if McCarthy's. I always think McCarthy should be on the hot seat sooner than he is, but uh, sure enough, he never winds up there. So we'll see what happens. But I, something's got to give in Green Bay. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers in the back part of his career now, and you've got to. I mean, you know, you got to get this guy another Super Bowl, and, and it's just not getting done right now. All right, let's go from uh, Green Bay to the other side. You mentioned Cordell, Cordero Patterson, and uh, finding a role for him. We know an incredibly talented guy, kick returner, but never could find a role. We saw Ty Montgomery do this a couple of years back. It could, do you think this is something, of course, Sony Michelle will be healthy, but and they still have White back there, but is there going to be a role as a running back going forward the rest of the season for Cordero Patterson? There will be. I mean, I think, you know, it'll be matchup dependent. This is the Patriots we're talking about, so, you know, it could be. I, anyone that's ever picked up a Patriots running back in fantasy football yeah. knows how that kind of works out from week to week. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is just sort of the smart game planning that the Patriots do. They find that, you know, they find a skill that he does well. So the Packers defense has locked up this back part of the field, so they need more room for plays to develop. And so you get a kick returner out there, a very good kick returner out there who has a natural ability to, to look for holes and let plays develop in front of him to make big returns, and I think that that translated well to the defensive scheme that the Packers are showing him. So I think you'll see it from week to week. Obviously, when Michelle comes back, he's going to be the guy. He's a huge asset to that offense, but you know it's good that they have, a, they have that sort of a you know, Swiss Army knife kind of guy in Cordero Patterson. All right, then, take me to the other big game. It was the NFC, the undefeated, no more undefeated Rams, and the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees put on a show. The Rams' offense with Jared Goff was still terrific and Todd Gurley, but they could not slow down the Saints. No, what a game. I mean, really, like, <laughs> even I felt like I was giving the Packers and Patriots game short shrift because that, that NFC championship preview just kind of blew me away and you know it lived up to the billing but yeah that's a heck of a Saints team I mean they're they just don't have a lot of holes right now and you saw where you know Eli Apple wasn't you know the kind of a banner headline that you see at the trade deadline sometimes but he's made a big difference in that defense and you saw that against Jared Goff and a powerful Rams offense I think for the Rams nothing to worry about by any stretch of the imagination you're eight and one it's uh you know you're the odds of you making the playoffs, I think I saw today, are still something like 95% or something like that. So, you know, barring catastrophe, they're going to be playing in January. But they've got to get the defense figured out. They don't have the defense to do that right now. And and you saw the limitations of that defense yesterday. I mean, obviously, Aqib Tlaib at some point is going to come back, and, and that's going to help them a lot in the secondary. That's where you see some pretty serious limitations on their part right now. Marcus Peters, we've seen him in Kansas City around here, obviously, but He's a good cornerback, but he's not a number one cornerback. And he's not the kind of cornerback that you want to be a number one cornerback on a team like the Rams where, you know, they don't need a risk taker. They don't need a ball hawk cornerback like that. They just need a solid coverage guy, uh, you know, to to help that defense stay in sort of that middle of the pack range. And obviously Aaron Donald, you know, we've talked about him as an MVP candidate. He very much should be. But he was much more limited and less effective yesterday. They, They traded for Dante Fowler recognizing that they have that need to get an edge rush going as well as the the disruption that Aaron Donald brings in the middle of the field, whether that's rushing the passer or whether that's containing running backs like Alan Kamara. So, you know, pretty, some pretty serious limitations to the Rams' defense were exposed yesterday, and I think that that's something you're going to have to see them. They're going to have to really address as the season goes on. 
We are over a great conversation. Yeah, go ahead, Trent. We are over halfway through this schedule, Ryan, and uh, at this point, normally. It's a team that kind of comes out of nowhere. Is there a team that's been fledgling around around 500 that you think is going to make a strong push? Is there a team that you have circled that you're liking what they're doing and, and maybe what they could turn into in the back half of the year? I, you know, I don't know what to make of the Houston Texans. I mean, a six-game win streak is a six-game win streak, and you can't turn your nose up at that. I mean, wins are wins, right? And you are what your record are. But, you know, this, this win streak's kind of bookended by – some pretty lucky wins too. I mean, you go back to the Colts game where they, you know, they make the ill-advised fourth down attempt in overtime that gives tech, the Texans the ball back. And then yesterday, you know, Vance Joseph kicking that 62-yard field goal attempt right before the half and leaving them enough time on the clock for the Texans to tack on three more points in what turned out to be a two-point win for them. So, I mean, they're good. They have talent. They brought in more talent with Demarius Thomas at the trade line. So. You know, on paper, it's a heck of a roster. And you've got J.J. Watt and J.W. on Clowney, Whitney Merciless on that side of the ball. So you've got monsters on both sides there. And you just don't have quite have the coaching to match. But, you know, if you you can get the best out of those guys, you don't necessarily have to win impressively every week. You just have to kind of keep winning. And I think they're a team to watch. Because I'll tell you what, I mean, the Patriots are still the favorite in the AFC. But it's real tough you know, beyond New England and Kansas City to settle. And I think Kansas City still, as much as I like watching the Chiefs, I still think they're kind of like the Rams and sort of you you wonder if that defense is good enough to get the job done down the stretch. But it's any man's man's game in the AFC right now. I think there's a big window for the Texans and the Steelers and teams like that to kind of make a run here. So. I'm curious now, kind of uh, just on the uh, our area locals, uh, just your take quickly on what Kansas City did against Cleveland, what the Bears did against a horrible Buffalo Bills team, and also on the Vikings, too. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't take Kansas City's. I mean, it's easy to kind of overlook it because it's a, it's a beating the Browns, and that's sort of a given for the a team like the Chiefs this year, but... I wouldn't take it for granted because teams that are coming off a head coach getting fired, even though they haven't necessarily had a chance to really draw up a lot of schemes and, and, and implement a new playbook or anything like that with interims, the, the Browns came out pretty hyped yesterday. And most teams in that situation do because there's sort of a, you know, there's a yoke lifted from a lot of those players. And then obviously that locker room was not a very functional place with Haley and Hugh Jackson and the infighting there. So I wouldn't take that win for granted. You know, Kansas City's really put up some impressive wins this season, not just, you know, on the scoreboard, but you go back to that first Denver game of the season where they beat the Broncos in Denver, and, you know, it was not an easy win for them by any means, and I think that they that was sort of a testament to their resiliency. So, you know, that's a good look going forward for them. I think the Bears is probably one of those teams, like you mentioned earlier, where we're maybe sleeping on them a little bit. I mean, it's a concern that Cleo Mack's dealing with some injuries right now, but I think if you he's healthy down the stretch, and I think they're <laughs> – you know, the Vikings, too, they're both in a great spot in the NFC North right now. And, and if you go back to our conversations in August and September, I, I, I can't imagine you'd find anyone here talking about the Bears and the Vi- the Bears as, the, as the, the threat to the Vikings in the NFC North. Mm-hmm. So, but here we are, and those are the two teams that, that, uh, that are, are, are in the, the driver's seat right now. And Minnesota won again yesterday, and the Packers and the Lions both lost. So, it just it, it, it's creating that much more of a separation, and and the Vikings, 
you know, they're a more talented team on paper, but they're not really kind of playing up to that so far this year. So, you know, I know some of that has to do with injuries. Obviously, you didn't have digs in the lineup yesterday. That really hurts them to not have a guy like that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a heck of a race to watch the NFC North. Well, in the Bears the next two weeks, a couple division mates coming into Soldier Field with the Lions. And then the Vikings, and that Vikings game has been flexed, and that will be now Sunday night football coming up November 18th with the Vikings in Soldier Field. Should be a lot of fun, certainly there. Hey, uh, with the Bears' dominating performance against Buffalo and Peterman, I, I don't know <laughs> what, it, what is left to say here. He is unbelievably bad. He keeps getting a job out there. I mean, there's nobody else. There, there isn't anything else the Buffalo Bills could do here. <laughs> I don't know that there is. I mean, what a sad state of affairs in that in, with that team right now. And, and this was supposed to be, I mean, they made the playoffs last year, right? for God's sakes. It's, how did that happen, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of funny with the Peterman. I mean, that was probably his quote-unquote best game of the season so far, and it's just mostly because he was able to run with the ball a little bit. He still can't pass it for to save his life. So uh, it's uh, I just... I just don't know what hope the Bills have. Uh, it just seems sort of like a, you know, they may have a, this may be the year where they overtake the Browns as the saddest franchise in the NFL. All right, back to a game that Jim mentioned a little bit earlier, the Rams Saints. And and uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm stealing this from the guys over at the Ringer, the NFL group with Kevin Clark and company. And I thought it was a really compelling question. I want to get your perspective on it. Of the big three, if you will, for the Rams, McVay at the top as the head coach, Goff the quarterback, and of course Todd Gurley, the outstanding running back. Rank them, importance of this team for this year. Not looking to the future or anything like that, but for this year, what they have and what they're going to be going forward. Power rank those three guys. Well, I mean, it, it's McVay at the top for me. I mean, and, and I hate to give the coaches too much credit because the players are the ones that actually go out there and play the game, but you know, you, you just look at the difference between what the Rams were before they hired McVay and the year after they hired McVay. I mean, we were talking about Jared Goff as a draft bust after one year in the league, and then McVay comes in there and suddenly he's in the MVP conversation two years later. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a testament. You see this with Kyle Shanahan a little bit in San Francisco with, you know, the performances he's been able to get out of C.J. Bethard and, and now Nick Mullins. It's a, you know, coaches that coach to their players' strengths are always going to be the most successful in the NFL, and that's really what you're seeing, you know, with McVay in, in Los Angeles, and obviously he has a supremely talented cast of characters to do that with, too, which obviously helps. After that, you know, Goff, obviously, I mean, he's a quarterback, and, and the quarterback's kind of the, it's that rare position in sports where the guy's just almost irreplaceable. I mean, the, you know, I, the Rams could bring in a backup quarterback. I'm sure with McVay's system, he'd be a little more successful. But I don't think you know you're talking about a, a legitimate Super Bowl threat down the stretch if you have another quarterback besides Goff in there. And then Gurley. And, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Gurley. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But you know, it's, it's the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. Nobody's going to argue that Le'Veon Bell's not a talented running back. But you know, you've seen with James Conner in Pittsburgh this year, where running back. Is, an, is a position that is easier to replace, even if it's not necessarily a one-to-one replacement. Jimmy B., go ahead. All right, pal. Look, I'm, I'm real curious here. I just, I just noticed something about the, uh, the television ratings, and they were like up a monster percent uh, for what they were on this weekend, this past weekend. Do you attribute that, Ryan, to the teams that were playing against each other 
or are people once again all dialed back into the NFL? I think you know. I think it's a lot of different things. I mean, you know, I think some of the I think a lot of the ratings slide that you know overall over the you know from its its peak ratings years to where we are now and and the low points in between. I think. You know, I know the election's been cited as some of that. We've talked about Kaepernick. We've talked about some of the other stuff that goes on in there. But I think a bigger factor is really, to me, the digitization of of sports on television. And that's going to keep being a factor. And the NFL's been, I think, pretty smart and proactive about how to stay ahead of that. You see that with, like, the Amazon streaming games and, you know, the different networks being able to broadcast games on the Internet now. But, it's you know, it's a this year's... A much better season, I think, than we've had in the past. Obviously, the scoring's way up, and I know that, you know, a lot of my friends are, are and coworkers and peers in this business are football purists, and they don't like it. But people like, you know, more a broader audience likes that scoring. They they like to see quarterbacks throwing for three, four hundred yards a game, and then and six, five, six touchdowns a game. It's just, you know, and and it kind of stinks sometimes the way the NFL weeks the rules to get there but it works and it's a fun game and football's not just about you know i don't think the rate we'd be talking about high ratings if we were watching a bunch of you know 9 to 12 15 to 13 kind of games defensive struggles week in week out i mean there's a time and a place for those and it can be entertaining to watch but overall you still want you know you want to see the players play and the players that play are the ones that get the ball in their hands and then you know Right or wrong, those are the guys that get a lot of the attention, and, and and those are the superstars that people identify with, not just because of fantasy teams, but you know, similar effect the way you see fans identifying with NBA players so much more. So I think that that's a ultimately. I know it's going to offend some of the purists, but ultimately that's going to be a good thing for pro football. Last thing for you, Monday Night Football tonight, Dallas and the Tennessee Titans. You got to take on tonight's game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if if you if you are determined, if you don't have anything better to do, I, this game is probably not going to be the best of the week by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm anxious to see what Dallas looks like with Amari Cooper. You know, and they've had an ex, they've had the bye week to get him in there and get him, you know, coached up in the offense. I think you'll see a lot more route combinations. I think I'm kind of looking to see if if the Cowboys can get back to that really effective play action game that they haven't had for so long. Now they should be able to with Amari Cooper. If I think they're a much better team, they still have some limitations. Obviously, those offensive line injuries are not helping them in the least bit. And you know the Titans are one of those teams. I just don't know what to make of them. I feel like Marcus Mariota should be a better quarterback than he is. And you're not seeing that that upward curve that you expect from a guy. You know, in, in at this point in his career, but you know Mike Vrabel's been able to get. I think a better team, a better performance in the record than he has, you know, with the kind of, with the players that he has. So, you know, that's always a positive thing for fans in Tennessee. Ryan, as always, good catching up with you. Thank you so much. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Ryan Van Bibber with SB Nation joining us as we take a look around the NFL. We'll take a break when we come back on the other side. Jim and I will give our perspective on the Monday Night Football game. You can hear it here on 1700 The Champ. Tonight with the Cowboys and the Titans, a look at what's happening tonight. Jimmy B maybe with an NBA thought and a whole lot more as we come back. It's Jimmy B and TC. Back with you one final time. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ. Glad to have you with us here today. Jim, I'm, I'm leaving you. Well, I was going to leave you alone for a couple of days, but then I thought better of that because we know what happens when you're left alone, right? 
Yeah, yeah, things don't go well when no, that happens. No, it's, no, I need, I need, I need all the help I can get constantly. So, of course, I, I have to pay somebody to come in here because I can't trust you alone, and I'll do that because yes. I'm a nice person. But our old friend John Cannon's going to be in with yeah. you Wednesday and Thursday, hosting the show. Are, are you going to be able to keep old John in line? Oh, I'll do the best I possibly can. You know I'll yell at him. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that I do because he'll start showing his fandom for the Golden State Warriors and, you know, the show will run off the rails and I'll have to bring it back in. I'll do it. Can, can you keep something at least semi-localized or are you going to be talking NBA for the full uh, full hour each day? I promise you that I will guarantee, and I'll make this guarantee right now, with John Cannon in here, I guarantee 45 seconds at least of local talk. Nah, that's what I figured. Yeah, All NBA yeah. all the time for YouTube buffoons. <laughs> That'll be ridiculous. Absolutely nuts. But going to be a lot of fun Wednesday and Thursday. I'll be over in Cedar Rapids calling the State Volleyball Tournament. And then, Jim, on Friday, I'll be back, and uh, we'll have our show from 1 until 2. We'll make our picks. And I go 4-1. Yep. and one. Can't make up any ground, though. You also go 4-1. and one. You're ridiculous. You're 22 and 3 against the number, Jim, against the spread over the last 5 weeks. It's incredible. Is that It is amazing. And you know, and you know how much prep work I generally put <laughs> into making those selections. So, from that aspect, if people are not listening to our show, they are not making money, Trent. That's uh, I, all there I guess is not. To 22 and 3 against the spread. That's Jim over the last 5 weeks. We'll make our picks and then coming up on Friday, a doubleheader of the high school football. Dowling Catholic against Bettendorf. That's game one. Four o'clock kickoff for that one. Then at seven o'clock, the upstart Rams from Southeast Polk Gym. What a story. Began the playoffs a with a losing story. record. They were four and five. Yeah. And now get they'll get their shot against Cedar Falls, who is the remaining only undefeated team remaining in class four A. They'll get their opportunity against them. They've knocked off an undefeated team in Ankeny Centennial, beat a good Johnston team on the road, and now we'll really have to go on the road again. Cedar Falls playing in their home building at the Unidome. Should be a good one. And we'll bring play-by-play for both of those games coming up on Friday. But Jim and I will be reunited for an hour at least before that on Friday. That'll be good for you. That'll that'll be good for me. I'll I'll be able then to transfer that camaraderie at least through the weekend. So I'll be able to make it, pal, just as long as I hear your melodious tones. Yes, good, good, good to hear. As long as I still have a voice after calling uh, games all day for Wednesday, <laughs> right. Wednesday and Thursday, right. and a couple more on Friday. Going to be a busy week here, but we have you covered. It starts tonight with the uh, busyness on seventeen hundred, the champ. We will bring you Monday Night Football as we do every Monday night, Thursday night, and Sunday night football game. Cowboys-Titans, Jimmy B. You got a feeling yeah. at all in this game? None. None whatsoever. Uh, look, I know Amari Cooper's going to see the football from Dak Prescott that they acquired from the Raiders, giving up that number one pick. I, I, would, I would probably say that that might be the thing that maybe flips the switch for Dallas. And the only reason, I, I know that your your degenerate side has the spread on this game. What What is it right now? Five is pretty much the number of consensus that I see. Okay. See, I, I'm not sold on Tennessee. They've had so many issues. And Marcus Mariota's already been dinged a little bit at quarterback for the Titans. I just I just think Dallas wins this game at home, and if the line is five, yeah, they'll win it by a touchdown. I'm 
I'm good with the Cowboys tonight. I, I just think that you know, the time that they have had off and the time to get Amari Cooper into their uh, offensive sets, I, I think Dak Prescott now finally will have that go-to guy that he mm-hmm. so desperately needed. Although I like it when people say, oh, you don't need a go-to guy. Yeah, look at all the good teams. Look at all the great teams and tell me there's not a go-to guy uh, on those teams. So from that aspect, whether if it's the running back or wide receiver, the the quarterback has got to have that one huge playmaker. And maybe Dallas does now, Trent. So I, I guess if you twisted my arm, I'd have to go Cowboys tonight. Going to take the Cowboys in that one. If, if I had to make a play, I'd probably lean Tennessee's way. I'd probably get those points. But, again, not a strong conviction for me on the no. other side of it. It's uh, kind of a ho-hum game, two below-average teams going up against each other and maybe giving them hope. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's America's team, right? Yeah, yeah. The, oh, maybe not anymore. Well, maybe they're not. still America's team. You can be America's team and not be very good. That's the Cowboys, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're right. That's very true. Yeah, I bet it was Super Bowl in what, 22 years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, and what, uh, they got a playoff win like twice since that time? So did Tony Romo ever win a playoff game? I don't think so. And now the boys finally won a playoff game and then got beat right away in the next round. This is, if you're a Cowboys fan, this has been a sorry 15 years for you. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, I mean, when you think about the grand scheme of things and how propped up Dallas is, and Trent, I worked in that market. I know. I know what they are like. And they believe they're like Alabama fans. Only Alabama's really good and backs it up. But Cowboy fans are like that because they think their team should win every game. And then when they can't even make the playoffs or they get to 8 and 8 there's always something wrong something happened we we should have should have could have would have all of that stuff uh, i'm i'm just I, if i were a cowboys fan i would be totally disappointed with what i have seen so far jim if the nfl doesn't float your boat of course we'll get college basketball tomorrow champions yes. classic and a whole lot more we'll have iowa state in action their first game of the season with alabama state excited to see that Cyclone team in action. But how about your crappy NBA tonight? Anything float your boat in the association this evening? Boston, uh, Denver, maybe decent. Yes. Yes, that's a, that's the I was going, just going to bring to you. Toronto-Utah also is an interesting matchup. Toronto thumped the Lakers last night. And Kawhi Leonard didn't even play. Your hero, Serge Ibaka, <laughs> went like hero. 15 of 17 My from hero. the floor. Yeah, and they just beat the hell out of the Lakers. But Boston, Denver, uh, the Celtics are six and three. Denver is eight and one, and they are fun to watch. Not only do they get up and down the floor, uh, but when you've got an all-star center in the way that Jokic plays, he is a. I mean, he's a load for any team, and that is uh, terrific entertainment for tonight. There you go. That's what's on tap for this evening. That'll do it for today's program. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Coming up on your drive home, it's The Drive. Myself and Wolfgang will get you home from 4 until 6 o'clock. 
plenty of Hawkeye talk. We'll be talking two-point conversion charts with Tom Caker from HawkeyeReport.com. Alex Halstead on the Cyclones. That's coming up at 440. And Zuba Mahente will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. Coming up next on CBS Sports Radio, the national perspective. Tiki and Tierney are up next.